0: A predator-free New Zealand? What a great idea. A utopian vision requiring the kind of focus and resources you'd need to put a man back on the moon. Where there's a will, there's a way. But is there the will? How many rats, stoats, weasels, possums, feral cats would need to die? Still, all he can do is his bit here in this slice of Eden, once a week, regular as clockwork, tramping deep into the native bush around Galoris Bridge to check and reset the traps, do a body count and try against the odds to save a tiny, native, long-tailed bat from extinction, even if it is the ugliest little bastard you ever saw. Plus it gets him out of the house, breathing fresh air, staving off his dotage and the old worries that sometimes slink in. Except the air isn't so fresh. Something stinks today, for sure. Right as... He can hear flies buzzing, too. It must be a relatively fresh feast. He realizes he's been holding his breath. Not from the smell, but from something more primal. Fear has crept under the skin and taken hold, like the delicate fungi on a dead bark. Bob reaches the clearing, moss sponging and twigs cracking under his hiking boots. He edges around the totara to get a better look. The body is sitting propped against the tree as if just taking a rest, held in place by a rope around the neck and around the tree trunk. A deer, female is guessing, blanketed by flies and maggots. Liquids, dark and viscous, have seeped out. The face and front are open to the world. Bob fights the urge to spew, but it's not like he hasn't come across such a scene before. A rustle and crunch behind him. Ferns lift and a figure steps through in backwards gear. You. Where there's a will, there really is a way. Of course there is. There always was and would be. Bob waves his hand sadly at the deer corpse. Poor buggers come a cropper. Shame, says the visitor nodding. Count the seconds. A sob of anguish. Oh God, then a sound somewhere between a thump and a cough, barely enough to disturb the blowflies.
1: Welcome to the Good Reading Magazine podcast. Good Reading is a monthly magazine dedicated to books and reading, and aims to help readers discover their next favourite book. You can find out more about the books discussed on today's podcast at goodreadingmagazine.com.au. Hello and welcome back to the Good Reading Podcast. I'm Max Lewis, and today we're joined by Alan Carter, talking about his new book, Doom Creek, the second book in the Sergeant Nick Chester series, which began with Malibu Man in 2017. Doom Creek sees Nick living the quiet life in the Waka Marina Valley before new threats emerge in the form of trigger-happy Americans preparing for doomsday, a bizarre cold case murder, and a scandal-plagued religious sect. Alan, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, my pleasure. Great to be uh, with you. Doom Creek is your second novel following Sergeant Nick Chester. What made you want to return to his character and the criminal underbelly of the Marlborough sounds in New Zealand?
0: Um, I think after Marlborough Man uh, got such a positive reception, um, uh, winning the, the Nio Marsh Award uh, when it came out and, and getting lots of good uh, reviews, plus um, being printed also in Germany it seemed like the uh, the series had legs. I was enjoying the the different style of writing from my other series, which is WA set. So the Marlborough and Nick Chester series is um, well. Obviously, you've got a very different setting and different characters, but mm. it, it's got a different energy. It seems also to me with the the, the first person present. It feels sometimes more immediate. Plus, I had quite a few things to uh, get off my chest as well, and this was a good vehicle for that.
1: Uh, I guess a lot of readers might not have read Man*, so I guess the question is, should they check out the first book before delving into Doom Creek? Is there a lot of continuity that they might miss, or could they just jump into this one?
0: All books, all of my books are written with the idea that you can read that book alone and and get um, plenty from it. Okay. But uh, yes, by all means, I'm happy to have more sales. So uh, if people would like to buy the first book, that would be great. I mean, the basic idea from Marlborough Man was of a former undercover cop from the, the UK whose undercover work has gone badly wrong and he's had to take up witness protection in remote New Zealand. So he has some um, old UK gangsters on his trail as well as a predator on the loose in the spectacular Marlborough Sounds where he lives. And in Doom Creek, having vanquished his uh, demons from Marlborough Man, that's a spoiler if you like, um, he is hoping to settle down into the quiet life in small town uh, New Zealand. But obviously uh, that's not to be because there's a, a new gold rush on in, in his beloved Waka Valley. And there's a bunch of um, American doomsday preppers have uh, moved into the area to uh, use it as a bolt hole from uh, the mad times that we're all living in.
1: Hmm, what inspires you to look at, I guess, the intrusion of alt right U.S. politics into the kind of picturesque setting of New Zealand?
0: Um, it, it was a, a real thing. I was living in in the Waikarina Valley uh, when Trump got into power in November twenty sixteen, and being ten kilometers up a dead end valley in the other side of the world felt like a really good place to be at that point. I'll bet, yeah. <laughs> it still does, actually. Yeah. Um, but it, it seemed that I wasn't the only person thinking that way. There were quite a few stories have emerged uh, from then of particularly cashed-up uh, American, mainly billionaires, a few millionaires, buying up land in New Zealand and setting up doomsday boat holes. A, a number of stories emerged of kind of panic rooms and, and private airstrips and big properties down towards Queenstown and elsewhere. So it was a thing, and I thought it would be useful to apply that uh, to uh, my beloved Waka Marina.
1: Looking at the themes of white supremacy and the availability of guns in New Zealand, readers might draw some parallels between the book and the horrific Christchurch mosque shootings that occurred in March 2019. Although, if I'm not mistaken, you had actually completed a draft or two of the book well before that had happened?
0: That's right. The, the, uh, I had finished the, the first or oh, the first of several drafts of the book before that happened. And, uh, I mean, it was a a horrible, enormous shock to us all, but particularly for the people of New Zealand, it was the last place I would have imagined something of that kind of thing happening. I, I, I didn't intend to suddenly changed the book to fit that in. But I think a number of the themes in the book of the politics and the availability of those kind of weapons, I think kind of foreshadows what was to come. So the book is a foreshadowing of that kind of thing uh, and of uh, the state of the world that we have today, which seems at times quite um, apocalyptic.
1: When books engage with these sort of political themes, sometimes readers complain a bit about making things too political when they just want to sit down and read a nice book and not be reminded of current events. Were you worried at all about receiving such criticism? Um, it's
0: always a fine line to, I mean, my primary aim is to entertain uh, that, you know, that is the idea and that, that I hope to keep on achieving. But I do, you know, I do have access to grind and I do have thoughts on the world. And I, I think the crime fiction is a a useful vehicle for, if you like, holding up a mirror to society. So this is another good opportunity for doing that. But yes, it, you you don't want to be preaching to people. That the main thing is to that people enjoy the ride.
1: Do you think crime fiction writers maybe have a have a duty to kind of do that mirror holding? For their readers
0: uh, i wouldn't necessarily call it a, a duty um, each each writer probably chooses what they want to write some can quite happily uh, just do as a, a great thrilling suspenseful ride with no particular social comment in it and, and that's hmm. fine we all need an escape from things others try to have a the odd thing to say within the the plot very often the 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 crimes in in crime fiction do say something about the society that they're based in uh and then not necessarily present day you know sometimes they have a a historical perspective on things as well but for me i have in all of my books i've attempted to try and include some some element or some mirror of what's going on in society because i I think these are things which i'm interested in and i think that crime is a a really good vehicle for looking at that in an entertaining mm. and informative way.
1: On that note, as as a crime writer who focuses on police procedure and has main characters that are police officers, I was curious how you felt about that in light of the increased scrutiny that's come on police worldwide in light of the Black Lives Matter protests and stuff like that, how do you feel about portraying cops in your books? Uh, after this kind of cr- scrutiny that's come out?
0: Yeah, I think portraying uh, cops uh, unapologetically as kind of heroes and saviors just really doesn't cut it, um, not just these days, but it probably never has. We all know that there are, there are corrupt and bad cops out there, but we also know that you know, there are uh, heroes and heroines who are kind of truth seekers, if you like. I'm always interested in in somebody who is trying to work within that system, maybe sometimes breaks rules while they're doing it. I I, I think most crime fiction writers are are well aware of of that line that they're treading, uh, and any who would continue to unquestioningly have um, all cops are good and all villains are bad. Black and white world, if you like, that would be very naive and unreal.
1: On the note of that, why don't you focus on our protagonist of Doom Creek, Nick Chester? How did you want to evolve his character from Marlboro Man?
0: Um, I think uh, in, in, the, in Marlboro Man, he's, um, well, because he's living in hiding when we first meet him, he's uh, obviously very paranoid and uh, very impetuous and you know, a bit unst- unstable, if you like. In Doom Creek, he's trying to settle down and uh, get a handle on things and, and make a go of his new life in this on this other part of the world. Uh, and in so doing, he reacts pretty strongly to the people who are trying to trash the environment around him and who want to to disrupt that quiet life he is hoping to have. Uh, but I've also i've uh, I've made him less promiscuous in the second book, uh, so he's uh, better behaved. Uh, And also, he's um, got his own um, personal health crisis to face during this book, uh, which makes him a lot more vulnerable and just draws up a whole different level to to what we know about him.
1: I felt that the character of the Marlborough Sounds and Waka Marina Valley is as much of a character as Nick Chester in the book, and now with two books set in that setting. How does it compare to writing about Western Australia and Fremantle in your other series?
0: Um, It's certainly a lot cooler and greener. Um, Yes, I mean, having lived in both places, uh, both of them have very much their positives and and their negatives the water is really cold in new zealand for swimming in uh, being an open water swimmer so i really appreciate the water and the beaches in wa and then the brightness and everything i'm certainly have have found in new zealand that, that kind of wow factor of of the landscape not just in terms of the spectacular nature of it but it's also still relatively young if you like in geological terms so uh the occasional rumbles of many and and sometimes major earthquakes uh, busy it's a land that's kind of it it's a, a little less stable and and for that i also found it interesting um i i was there during the the kaikura earthquake uh, and was shaken out of my bed by that and that was for me it was a, a major event i would never experienced that before and it was pretty full-on just to be kind and then the mm. floods that happened there and the uh yeah it's just it's a really full-on um, amazing landscape so mm. it was very easy to write about very evocative very inspiring
1: Do you also find it, approaching it from the angle of a crime writer, a nice source of contrast between the beautiful picturesque location and the more gritty, morbid crime details that you can kind of weave in underneath it? Oh, for sure, yeah. I mean, you've got, uh, it's a very uh,
0: moody landscape. You've got mist and fog rolling around the hills. it's, uh, It's probably, you know, there should really be a, it, it, it would match for Scandi-noir, if you like, in terms of landscape. There, it does become a character of itself where a whole mood can be evoked by basically looking out of the window. Uh, so to have that, plus the history of the, the country um, and then the Waka Marina Valley, which 150 odd years ago had a, its gold rush, which trashed the river. And um, it's amazing to see that it could have recovered from what happened way back then. Uh, and it also shows why Nick has this dismay about such a thing returning to try and uh, to, to threaten, once again, that environment. Uh, so it's a very fragile environment, uh, enough fragility and the, the mood and the instability. They're all things that, you know, fragile, unstable, moody characters and real people. That's the, the essence of uh, not just crime fiction, but uh, writing generally, I think.
1: Hmm. And you're currently living in Tasmania. If I'm not mistaken, that's right. Yeah. Do you have any plans to to set a crime book in Tasmania, or do you think it would offer similar kinds of creative freedom as writing in New Zealand does? I doubt
0: if I could handle yet another series of books mm, um, like New Zealand, and WA, way, it's probably enough to be juggling. Um, I mean, there's lots of similarity between uh, the landscape in Tasmania and and that in New Zealand. What I've done as a, a halfway house is that the next um, WA series, the, the Kato Kwong series, the, that the new book for that would be coming out next year. And there is a, a, a Tasmanian setting for at least part of the book. Okay. So I did use my local environments to include that. But I've got no plans for a, a complete new Tassie set series now. But never say never.
1: On the topic of the Kato Kwong series, you mentioned this a little bit before, but I wanted to ask how differently you approach the Nick Chester series as opposed to the Kato Kwong series. Are there many differences in your writing practice and how you sort of plot things out?
0: I think the the Kwong character is probably a lot more cerebral than uh, Nick Chester is. He's uh, more sensitive, thoughtful, and less out there character than Chester but he still you know gets things done but he's developing along the way as well you know he he plays the piano does cryptic crosswords all that kind of stuff and he's a bit of a thinker and um so it's a different mood when I'm writing that plus with the the more reflective third person past tense again it's a different energy to the writing compared to Nick Chester's which is more immediate uh, and in your face, in, m- in my face anyway. Sometimes the politics or the social commentary I think is different as well. I think with the Nick Chester series there's a either a global or an environmental aspect to what's going on. And I think with the WA series there is a more immediate sense of the Australian politics, um, which has its own foibles and own characters and its, uh, its own ugliness as well, if you like.
1: Do you think the Nick Chester series is maybe a bit more palatable in that sense for international audiences than the Kato Kong series?
0: In some regards, it's. It probably has a. It'd be more accessible. Perhaps the uh, the Quang series might be uh, more inward looking of of Australia itself. Hmm. In terms of palatability, I mean, I, I'm reading books from authors all around the world, and, and they're very much focused on their own country, their own society, their own stuff that's going on, and I still find that interesting. So I'm I'm not put off by that. But, you know, no doubt some readers could be. But I think certainly the Nick Chester series possibly has uh, that slight more accessibility in terms of the more universal issues, if you like.
1: On that note, before we finish up, I wanted to ask if we could perhaps get any hints on whether we can expect a new Nick Chester book and where he might be taking us. Uh, Well, I
0: suppose there's a kind of a mini spoiler, Nick will survive Doom Creek. And and so yes, I do have plans for a uh, another one that's twinkling in my eye. I'm I'm not far into it yet, but I do have plans to take him further for sure. As to when that will happen, uh, we're probably something in the next probably 24 months. We might see evidence of that. All
1: right. Well, looking forward to it. Thanks so much for joining us today, Alan.
0: Uh, Thank you, Max.